Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show. You don't have that like bookmarked at the top uh, of your uh, I mean, the top I... of your Chrome. Live, live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Man of his word. I will take less. I will help the team. I want to keep playing. Voila. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ryan Leaf. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan Leaf. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hour 3 here on the Rich Eisen Show. I am Ryan Lee, filling in for Rich, uh, him and the crew, Chris and TJ and Michael Del Tufo, all out, you know, exploring their 4th of July weekends on a well-deserved break. We've had a great show so far, and we're going to keep on rocking. We're going to get into the NBA here. We have Kevin Arnowitz, ESPN NBA writer, here to join us and talk about these NBA playoffs. The Phoenix Suns already in after Chris Paul's 41 points against the Clippers as they advanced to their first finals since 1993 in the Charles Barkley era. To last night, watching Giannis less Milwaukee Bucks team take down a very good Atlanta Hawks team behind the 33 points of Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday being more aggressive. Welcome to the show, Kevin. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Um, I asked this question a little earlier. Just, you know, at, every, at any point, you know, evolution takes course. Uh, the Lakers have always stayed. The Celtics have, already, have always stayed. There's always been... Uh, an interest in those this year, this NBA finals, we're going to have at least a team that hasn't won a title since 1971 in the Milwaukee Bucks. What do you think the captivated audience of, of America has felt having these three teams being vying for, for a title at this point in the season? Right. This is one of the great debates in the NBA, which is, is it better for the league to have these dynasties? Right, Warriors five straight finals, like you know LeBron's, you know Heat team, uh, and going back to you know your childhood and my childhood. I mean, they've typically been sort of dynastic teams in the NBA versus uh, you know leagues with more parity. The MLB, um, yeah, the Patriots have dominated to some extent, and you know there are always some great elite teams like the Packers, but it, you know it's not unusual over three years to have six different participants in, in, in an NFL Super Bowl. Uh, that's never been the case. 
the league NBA is one of those leagues where you can pretty much tell the four contenders at the beginning of the season. And yeah, we'll have some fun and some great individual performers. Um, so this is brand new. This, Hey, we have a two and a five. We have a team that was not projected to make the playoffs, really two teams that were on the bubble for even the play in tournament. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the ratings are, are, are people going to be drawn to the new or is it, Hey, no LeBron, no Steph, no me. I'm the viewer, right? I mean, who are these guys? Um, you know, the NBA is very much a boutique sport in many respects. I think there's a really strong niche of NBA fans, um, probably fewer casual fans. You know, people aren't coming to the Super Bowl for the, you know, the way people come. Oh, I'll come for the commercials. I'll come for my friend's food or whatever it is. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the country responds to newer stars, uh, teams they haven't seen uh, deep in the playoffs before. I, and I don't know. I, I tend to think people really love the dynasties. They love either loving them. They love hating them. Um, it, it, I think, but it's a time for the NBA is going to have to at least cultivate some new teams. So who knows? Maybe one of these teams becomes the dynasty, and this is them before the dynasty. Right. It, we're, we're at a point. If you if you had to if you had to pick one of them, right? If you had to look at one of them, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks or the uh, or the Trey Young led Atlanta Hawks, or maybe the you know Chris Paul more at the end of his career. Is there a team here you see ultimately that gets through the 2021 season and you go, oh, yeah, that's, that's a team that could, can run the table now for a few years now with this, t- with this lineup? Yeah, I mean, the Bucks have been on the doorstep for a while. They've been right. the best team in the league the two previous seasons. Now, I mean, obviously it complicates things with Giannis you know, not playing. Uh, but I, I think it's a team with some staying power. Now, on the other hand, they're also in the same conference as a Brooklyn Nets team that is healthy. I think it's going to be the favorites each of the next you know, few seasons, let's say. So, you know, on one hand, I would say Milwaukee has the most staying power. There's just a structure there. there there's, you know, you've got three guys, all three elite defenders, uh, you know, two of whom can get a shot anytime they want. It, you know, they have the ingredients for some, you know, hey, we're going to win 60 games each of the next four seasons. Uh, the Suns, though, are fascinating because Devin Booker has that sort of stage presence and charisma that you associate with, like, you know, he's a big guard who can just ball. Um, you know, he has a, a, a real swag on the court. Um, you know, he, I mean, he, he's great in front of the camera. I mean, he, there's, there's a lot of ingredients there if you're sort of casting for new superstars. You know, and Chris Paul's a great story toward the end of his career. You know, the problem with, with Phoenix is, is until future notice, like the West is always just stacked. Like it's hard to get through the West every single year. You know, you have to build a, a Warriors-like invincibility. And, um, you know, it's just all it's always really demanding, Um, which is interesting. Going back to the first question, are we in an era where, hey, actually, we are going to see more of this kind of thing where who knows who's going to win coming out of the East and West? There are any number of teams who could do it. Um, And we're also this unfortunate place where, you know, show me the healthiest team and I'll show you who's going to be representing the conference. The performance by the Bucks the other night um, with the way Brooke Lopez stepped up with a career-high 33 points on 14 of 18 shooting, dominating inside. This is how the size of the Bucks. Do you think this showed them something if and when Giannis comes back where they may have, may have been the best thing to happen to him, that he missed a game or missed a couple games where this team could figure out a different way to play and, 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 and get around what another team can prepare for to stop Giannis and beat this Bucks team when it, when it gets to the finals if it has a chance to? always been an awareness that, that Brooke Lopez offers this, right? Like, I mean, he is a big guy in the post in a league that's gone smaller, and he can he can get shots when he wants. You know, he's got a nice touch around the rim. You know, the challenge with, with Brooke has always been 
there's this move towards greater defensive flexibility among NBA teams, right? You want to be able to switch one through five, and you don't want to get caught with your seven-footer as good as he might be protecting the rim out there on the perimeter having to defend a Trey Young or a Devin Booker or a Chris Paul. And so there's always sort of this wrestling with the angels, you know, like you love your big man because you love the way he protects the rim. You love that you can kind of get it inside and get a high percentage shot right at the rim, but does it hamper your flexibility and speed defensively? Now, the good news is I think Brooke Lopez has shown in the last few days, but look, he's not going to be a guy like Draymond who's going to be, you know, you know they're going to – not going to be out there on the perimeter all the time, but he's willing to be farther up to kind of take away those floaters, take away those mid-range jump shots that, you know, you know, guys like Trey love that floater. And frankly, if you're going to the next round, I mean, Chris Paul is the greatest, you know, mid-range jump shooter of his generation. So that's always the thing with Brooke is, hey, it's a great way to play um, in many respects, but you just have to be really quick and flexible defensively, you know, and guys like, you know, P.J. Tucker, there's a reason that guy, even though he's 6'5", has been playing center in this league for the last several years, right? Like, like he can ball up on the perimeter, and he's tough enough to kind of give you some interior help, too. We're speaking with Kevin Arnowitz, uh, ESPN NBA writer here about the NBA playoffs. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, right? Uh, Chris Paul, uh, first time to a finals, reunited with uh, with Coach Williams. Uh, you know, midway through the season, I, ha- I had a... I had a inkling that this was going to be the team. I, I thought he was. He had some MVP, MVP caliber uh, in him, uh, 41 points to clinch over the Clippers the other night, and now back to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1993. Your, your thoughts on this Phoenix Suns team, uh, how it was put together, and, and how they're rolling now? Yeah, this is a fascinating experiment because I, I don't talk about this doesn't happen in the NBA. This team hasn't been in the playoffs in 10 years. They were a laughingstock franchise. Right. for the past decade, right? It's not like, oh, they've been knocking on the door. Multiple the lottery team. picks, right? Right. I mean, yeah. you're talking about a holding pattern. You mean talking about just a, like a quagmire. Like one of those rebuild projects is not really a rebuild because you can't get the permits, and it just kind of sits there like this hole in the ground, and that's who they've been. And the acquisition of Paul was just, you know, it was, it's interesting too because, you know, he's a guy who's a great floor general, but not everybody loves playing with Chris Paul historically. But you know who loves playing with Chris Paul? You know, young guys who grew up watching him who actually do need the benefit of his wisdom and advice and learning how to kind of, you know, control a basketball possession, how to win basketball games, you know, how to put together a nine out of 11 streak over the course of a really long season and just build winning habits. Um, He's an interesting player in this era too, because, you know, we're in the era of Damian Lillard exploding and, you know, and Steph Curry just going off, you know, he bleeds you to death. He's a surgeon. He's not a pyrotechnician. You know, like he's he's a really kind of throwback player. And, you know, even his dominance the other night, it was dominant, but it's not like Dane stepped back shoot, from 36 feet, right? Right. Little pick and roll, and, you know, snake inside here to the right elbow, rise and elevate. There's not like a great deal of athleticism, at least conventional athleticism, right? It's just guile. It's just resourcefulness. It is, it is three yards in a cloud of dust, and yet the next thing you know, like, you know, they're in the red zone every time, and that, that's sort of who he is. Um, and it just is a level of method and, and kind of just poise that a young team can say, oh, that's how you do this. You mean you can't score seven points at once. You just sort of find vulnerabilities in the defense, figure out where they're soft, and attack them there. Like, it, it's, it's more trench warfare than it is to sort of, you know, this wild run and gun thing, particularly in the playoffs. And I think that's where he's just instilled the team. 
you know, and especially when you, you know, you have talent like Aiton and Booker. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. We've been talking about Chris Paul so much in the last few days that, you know, I think we forget just how dynamic these two young players are and just a bunch of other guys who know their roles as, as sort of the NBA trope goes. And it's really important to have those guys. The, you talked about Brooke Lopez uh, and, and how much he meant to the team and, we, and during his time early in the league. And it seems like when teams get good, uh, you think about LeBron when he ended up in Miami and Chris Bosh was more of a paint player in Toronto, became kind of this you know stretch five who played out on the perimeter and started taking three-pointers. You go to Cleveland and Kevin Love was a guy that averaged double-doubles every night and points and rebounds with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And now he becomes kind of that stretch five, too, and has to make big shots from the corner and some three-pointers. Brooke Lopez has kind of become that guy in uh, Milwaukee. And so what we got to see him inside when Giannis wasn't there in the need of of everybody to stretch the floor. Uh, I, I asked this question a little bit earlier, kind of, but the flexibility now with having seen that for Bud as the head coach, does this give him some different options now moving forward? Yeah, and you know, it really does. Even if Giannis comes back, you want to be able, I think when you get to this point in the postseason, and this is where the Warriors were brilliant, you want to be able to go, if the, demand, if the game demands speed, you can go fast. If it demands a half-court, you know, sort of trench warfare, oh, we can score in the half-court. You want to go big, oh, we can do that. You want to go small, oh, we can do that too. And I think that's the sort of flexibility you're talking about, is, and the best NBA teams have that where no matter how the game shapes up, oh, it's one of those defensive grudge matches, fine, we're good there, you know, as opposed to the teams who, hey, they're really good at what they do, but, man, if you get them in a half-court game, you know, the Sixers had this problem, right? You know, with Simmons, you get that team in the half-court, and there's not a ton of shot creation, and I think it's one of the reasons they were upset. Um, you want that versatility. You want to be able to play however it demands it. So they can go big. They can, you know, I, I saw – Bucks game last season in Houston where they just went to Brook on the block every single time and just destroyed this that team and and it, it, we all laughed about it later because it's not Mike Budenholzer style of basketball he's not a guy who really calls for post ups he's a modern coach and yet he all you know you can recognize an advantage where you when you can when you see it though and that and that's the sort of resourcefulness and inflexibility you're talking about. Uh, we're, we're talking with, with Kevin Arnowitz here, ESPN NBA writer, about the playoffs in particular, but the NBA overall. Um, what, what I really found fascinating is, is how, how great a coaching job these final four teams have done. Like Ty, Tyron Lue, for me, and what he was able to do with the Los Angeles Clippers, it, it really showcased that. Mo Williams in Phoenix, Budenholzer and Nate McMillan, who picked up this team early on after a sluggish start, I think really has showcased these four individuals as, as great NBA coaches in a time where everybody's talking really about the players more than what the coach, and the coaches have really done a tremendous job this season. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there aren't a lot of bad coaches in this league. You know, I think mean, fans are always going to carp about a, an in-game adjustment or a decision. Um, but it's also, you know, it's more than that. I mean, I, I think, one of the things I, I'm, a, I'm a voter for all the awards. I've never been comfortable voting for Coach of the Year because I think 95% of the work is done not at the game, right? It's exactly. done building yeah. a structure over the course of a season. It's making the trains run on time every single day. It, it, it's arbitrating disagreements between star players in a delicate way. 
You know, it's all those things. It, it, it's, it's establishing sort of roles. And, and it's why I never like voting on that award. Yeah, oh, good. He made a good in-game, a good substitution. It's not the job. You know, the job is a nine-month just you, – you are a CEO, and, and, it, and it's just – and it, more than ever now, given all the other facets, you know, the analytics and the nutrition and, and the performance stuff. And, and I think it, it speaks exactly. Like all four of these coaches are really good at that part of the job. You know, as much as people want to ride Mike Gutenholz or how do you let this – you know, the shooting from three with the – like that team, this, it runs on time. It is grown-ass men. And you go and hang out with that team in Milwaukee and you just see like this is a team at peace. This is a team that knows who it is. They know how to get through the business of being an NBA professional sports team. With the amount of time that was limited to the star teams, uh, the amount of time that the star players got to play together in particular in Brooklyn, uh, when the season ends and they crown a new champion and uh, the odds makers come out with, you know, you know, pontifications about next year. Is it, is it going to be the Lakers and Nets again at the very top? And uh, if so, are are there teams that uh, get stars back like Clay Thompson? Hopefully, do the Warriors make a reappearance? What 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 does it look like? Uh, you know, or or do one of these teams that ultimately wins the championship are they the new ones on top that have to be taken down? I think the Nets because of the mulligan are, are still right. going to be a curiosity, and I think the Lakers again with the injuries. It's hard to bet against a LeBron James AD team, even though you know LeBron's older. Though I think whoever comes out of me, I think Phoenix will see a serious bump. I think the Clippers will be up there too. You know, I think people forget that if Kawhi's healthy, who knows what happens? And the Bucks, I think, will as well. Uh, you know, it depends on what Philly does in the off season, and you know, can anyone get a major? Is there a disgruntled superstar that can get himself traded somewhere that kind of changes the power balance? But that's yeah, you're absolutely right. I think you're talking about the Lakers and Nets. Yep. Yeah, I thought so. All right, everybody. Kevin Arnowitz, ESPN NBA writer, joining us, filling us in, keeping us posted with everything in the NBA. Who do you think comes out of the East ultimately to take on the Phoenix Suns when this is all said and done? It should be Milwaukee at this point. All righty, there we go. Milwaukee Bucks versus the Phoenix Suns. We'll see what Trey Young has to say about it next time they take the court. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Kevin Arnowitz, everybody, ESPN NBA writer, joining us there. When we come back, we're going to discuss what he had to say about this year's NBA playoffs, as well as dive into a few other topics that we broached at the beginning of the show. I want you, if you're listening out there, we haven't done this yet, I want you to call this number, 310-845-4120. That is 310-845-4120. I'd love to take your calls on any of the topics that we discussed today or anything you have else to say to me or ask me. Uh, around the sporting world you're listening to the rich eisen show i'm ryan lee filling in for rich we'll be back here just after a quick break let's talk o'reilly auto parts people or as you might know from their jingle o o o o'reilly auto parts 
They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit gametime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the country responds to newer stars, uh, teams they haven't seen uh, deep in the playoffs before. I, and I don't know. I, I tend to think people really love the dynasties. They love either loving them, they love hating them. Um, it, it, I think, but it's a time for the NBA is going to have to at least cultivate some new teams. So who knows? Maybe one of these teams becomes the dynasty, and this is them before the dynasty. That was Kevin Arnovitz from ESPN, the NBA writer, talking about whether or not this finals is going to be good for the NBA. No star teams, many star players who are evolving and coming to into their own. I think it's a great thing. Devin Booker, Trey Young, Giannis finally on the, the top stage after being relegated to second place or third place the last few years, even though he was an MVP and had the best record in the league. Thought it was pretty pretty darn great. We've had a a, a great show. Uh, this is the Rich Eisen show. I'm Ryan Lee filling in for Rich. Um, him and his team took the weekend off the the Fourth of July weekend to celebrate with their families, and and take some deserved time off. Um, and so they call in the righty, right here. Um, I'm doing something. I want to talk about this. Uh, I tweeted out the number. If you want to want to chat with me, three one zero eight four five four one two zero. That's three one zero. Eight four five, four one two zero. Um, I'm doing something here next week. Um, I guess July 10th, right? Um, my kid's mom and him are heading back east to visit one of her friends and spend a little time on the east coast on a lake up there. And so I thought now. I don't know if this interests a lot of people or whether they've done this or not, but I've never. 
I've never gone on vacation by myself. Um, I, I don't know if a lot of people have, but every time I've, on, I've gone on vacation, it's been with family or friends or, or everything. Now, don't get me wrong. I've traveled alone by myself, right? Especially for business trips. I just was on one back east. I had to speak in Nashville and Chicago and, and West Virginia. And I was, you know, traveling on my own. And, you know, when you, when you call games for ESPN, you travel to little small towns and you're on your own, you know, stay in a hotel by yourself. But this will be the actual first time that I've ever traveled on a straight vacation, like where I'm going to, I'm going to like put my phone down. Now, since the pandemic started, I've received a number of direct messages on my social media platforms for people who have reached out for help, who have reached out uh, for support, things like that. Uh, upwards to, I would say, 1,500 to 3,000 messages uh, over the last 18 months. And I've gotten to as many as I can. It's, it's incredibly overwhelming. I do feel like if I take next week, July 10th through July 18th, uh, and focus all my en- energy around uh, hitting up those messages for one or two hours a day, maybe while laying out on the beach. Um, oh, I forgot to tell everybody where I was going. So I'm going to Puerto Vallarta. All right, I'm going down to Mexico, a uh, little resort town right there, right on the beach. And I'm just, you know, uh, doing it really frugally, right? Got, got uh, the, the flight for, with my miles, got the hotel stay with my points. So right now, uh, I'm at, you know, my my budget is at zero. I've spent zero dollars to get down there. Now, of course, things will change once I'm down there eating and and whatnot, playing golf, I'm assuming. But I feel very good about this. My father raised me right in terms of being frugal and doing, uh, you know, doing things the right way. Well, anyway, uh, and also when you go by yourself, uh, you know, you're not incurring other, other charges. You know, I, I've always traveled with my significant other and my... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and my, uh, and my son. So, uh, this will be very interesting. Um, speaking of those direct messages and those people reaching out, um, we have a caller on the line, Casey on line one here, talk a little bit about something I've been through, um, and, and wanted to say hi, Casey, welcome to the Rich Eisen show. Hey, uh, Ryan, Rich, how you doing? Good. Um, Ryan, I've followed you, obviously, uh, being a Coug and up here in the Northwest uh, your whole career. And, and really, the journey, the hell you went through and, and coming out on the other side, which is, I got to tell you, it's an inspiration. Um, this past June 6th, I celebrated a, a year of sobriety. I had been through my own hell um, and just uh, had, had that moment uh, a little over a year ago that came. And I wanted to ask you, because my mentality getting through this has been, um, you know, quitting is easy, but deciding to quit is what's hard. And I think I've got it right in my head. And that's why I think I've got a real shot at this journey. And I just wanted to ask you uh, um, what you felt about uh, my thoughts as far as just, you know, getting it in your head, right? Well, I mean, Casey, thank you so much for the call. I really, really appreciate it too. Um, Anytime you choose to do something, as human beings, we complicate things so much. We just, we just do. There's fear around it. There's judgment. And there's all these things. When there's, a, when there's a radical acceptance, when you are fully understanding that you are accountable for yourself, um, no matter what happens, no matter what anybody says or does or thinks or anything like that, um, it, it frees things up. 
it opens things up to make things rather simple. Like being a former athlete, I think has helped me a ton in my recovery simply because I'm really regimented, right? Like I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm, I'm not worried about what's coming a week from now. I'm, I'm really just focused on what's happening today. And my schedule is lined out in front of me, right? This morning I had a workout from seven to eight, right? Uh, I was, uh, given the opportunity to host the Rich Eisen show from, from 9 to noon. Uh, I'm doing, a, uh, I'm doing a, a little uh, radio analysis for ESPNU right after this around the NIL, name, image, and likeness for ESPNU. And then I host my own, my own talk show that I have, the RDL show from 1230 to 1.30. And then it's about, you know, what are you going to do next? And I think I'm going to go play some golf this afternoon, uh, get outside, convene with nature, um, and, and then spend some quality time with, with some friends tonight. And that's my day. And if I feel like if I continue to do those next right things throughout the day, that's the mindset that I have. And sometimes I have to break it down to every, every 60 seconds. I really do. And that's okay. Because before you know it, 60 seconds has gone by, and then another 60 seconds, and an hour. And in uh, a way you go. You know, I've, I've become really committed to my, my health. It was a year ago today that I started on a nutritional shift, nutritional change. Um, I've been sober for almost nine, you know, over nine years. So I felt like, uh, you know, I didn't like how I looked in a picture. I felt I looked bloated and angry and I wanted to make a shift. So I got with, uh, um, I got with a, a nutritionist and in a way we went and I started at 298 pounds and, and, that that sounds like a lot, but I'm six foot seven and I have broad shoulders, so it, it didn't necessarily look that bad on me. But wow, over the next six months, I dropped about sixty pounds, and it was all about the food because I wasn't working out. I was walking and I was playing golf from time to time, but I wasn't. You know, this was all about the food, and I've continued it to this day. Like even today, this morning, you know, got up. Um, trying this new food um, that's delivered to my house every day, and it's changed my life, right? It's changed me in the more physical way. And when you have a three-and-a-half-year-old and you see the world through their innocent eyes, you want to be around for as long as you can. And I think that was a shift for me. So there's, a, there's always ways to improve and optimize in your thinking in this. You know, it's never just – once you get stagnant, that's where problems happen. And, uh, uh, and, and that's why, you know, I, I need a break. I'm going to go down to Mexico for a, for a week, uh, just me. I'm going to put my phone away other than to return some messages. Um, I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to disconnect because football season's upon us, people. It is coming down the stretch. And the Hall of Fame game uh, is at the 1st of August, so about a month away. I will be in Canton uh, to do some work with the Behavioral Health Center there as well as to watch two of my you know, closest uh, competitors in college football and uh, into the draft, Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson uh, get enshrined into the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What an incredible opportunity. Speaking of the NFL, um, we have Tyler from New York on the line. He wants to talk to us about the Giants and Danny Dimes. Welcome to the show, Tyler. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm well, thanks, bud. Uh, so, yeah, I just was wondering, what, um, you know, what can we expect to see from Daniel Jones this year? And uh, exactly, like, how big of a leap are they expecting him to make, especially, you know, seeing his, with all the weapons that he has around him now? And, uh, if, you know, if he doesn't fulfill into those expectations, uh, how quick could the Giants be to pull the trigger on uh, the quarterbacks coming in next season? 
Thanks for the call, Tyler. Appreciate it. Yeah, um, this has been a hot topic, right? I mean, this is Gettleman. Gettleman has really uh, been patient with his drafts, with his free agent signings, and I, I, I feel like has a really great plan. But ultimately, he's going to be judged on the decision to move up or, or, to, or to take Daniel, John, Daniel Jones so high. Daniel Jones was in a conversation with the likes of me last year in terms of turnovers at the quarterback positions in your first 30 starts. Not a good place to be. What he was able to do the latter part of the season and turn, those, turn, the, turn that faucet off of, of giving the ball up was huge. The team got better. They're playing really well for Joe Judge. They've improved defensively. They've added weapons offensively. Saquon should be back. But it all rests on, on Daniel Jones' arm, what he's going to be able to do. If he doesn't meet those expectations, the team is going to be mediocre. And therefore, Gettleman's going to be hung out to dry because of it. And they're going to have to move on and find a new quarterback. Fortunately, they have put together a very good team. So they may just be a, a, a step away uh, in terms of quarterback play. I do think he's improved. Um, I do think he has a better chance. The NFC East is, is ripe for opportunity with who they play in their division uh, you know, six times a year. We'll see. But it's incredibly, incredibly important that he has a successful year. He's got to be the leader of that team. All right, if you guys got any more questions, please call us at 310-845-4120. Again, that's 310-845-4120. Come with it correctly. Any question is a good question, whether it's about life, whether it's about football, whether it's about basketball, whether it's about the American sprinter Shikari Richardson, who apologized this morning for testing positive for marijuana. She said, I apologize. As much as I'm disappointed, I know that when I step on the track, I represent not only myself, I represent a community that has shown great support, great love. I apologize for the fact that I didn't know how to control my emotions or deal with my emotions during that time. I don't think for, for a second that you know this was just something that she did on a whim. This, this was a part of her life. Um, uh, that's the only reason people alter their moods. It's, it's just not like, oh, I will try this now at a difficult time in my life when I'm dealing with emotions. It's something that, that they, they hang on to and they go to for this. I do not think she needs to be reprimanded. Uh, there are rules in place. We talked to uh, Michael McCann earlier about rules that existed in the past and now uh, rules that no longer exist. How do you go about those things? It's legal in many states in this country. It it is moving towards a federal uh, legalization under the Biden administration, okay? But it's not in some places. And the United States Anti-Doping Agency on Friday simply said that this is a, still a uh, banned substance, uh, and they have accepted a one-month suspension for, for Shikari Richardson, which means she cannot have... Uh, she cannot uh, compete in the 100-meter dash at the Olympics. Now, she's still possibly eligible for the 4 by 100 which could give her a chance at winning a gold medal. She's only 21 years old. She tested positive at the Olympic trials last month where she established herself as a gold medal contender by winning the 100 meters in, in 10.86 seconds. She's run like five sub-11-second um, races. She is the future. Gail Deaver's the last gold medal Winner in the 100-meter dash for the Americans. Um, this is more of what she had to say. 
we have our different struggles. We all have our different things we deal with. But to put on a face and have to go out in front of the world and put on a face and hide my pain. Richardson said, who are you? Who am I to tell you how to cope with when you're dealing with the pain or you're dealing with a struggle that you've never experienced before or that you never thought you'd have to deal with? Who am I to tell you how to cope? Who am I to tell you you're wrong for hurting? Um, I, can, I can understand all of this. I can, uh, I, and I am a proponent and advocate for decriminalization of, of, of controlled substances just for, for many reasons. The Portugal model has been incredibly successful and one that I look to in terms of how our policy could be different. When it comes to these private things, right, uh, the anti-doping agencies, the NFLs, the NBAs of the world, they're private, right? It's not necessarily legal, right? When you go into the um, substance abuse program in the NFL, alcohol is a part of that. So if they come and test you while you're in the substance abuse program and alcohol comes back, if you recall correctly, Matt Prater was suspended because he tested positive for alcohol while he was in the substance abuse program, right? Alcohol is legal. You can go to any store and, and buy it, right? Uh, in many states, you can go to a store or a dispensary and buy marijuana. So when these things exist, you have to understand. I, I have not lost a parent. I don't know what that would feel like. Um, luckily for what I've been through in my life, I understand that mood-altering substances are not they're not going to help. Um, they may feel like they help, and for a long time I felt like they helped. They don't. Um, therefore, you have to learn some different coping mechanisms. Um, the fact that he had, she had to go run uh, in the Olympic trials a week after losing her mother had to have been extremely tragic and difficult. Um, knowing you're going to be tested for that exact substance and knowing it won't be out of your system, uh, you had to know the consequences were coming. And the way she's apologized and the way she's dealt with it, I think she she felt comfortable. She was going to showcase who she was on the track, let her know, let everybody know who she was as a person and be okay with that and the consequences that came with it because it helped her cope with whatever she had to cope with. To each its own. If I am the anti-doping community you have to take a really hard look at this. The NBA has recently, they've reported recreational marijuana use is, not gonna, is no longer going to be tested for in the NBA. Uh, I expect uh, Joe Biden, uh, and if he pins Dr. Raul Gupta as his next drug czar, to put this forward as a federal bill and decriminalizing uh, um, marijuana as well. I think it's a step in the right direction. The state of Oregon has really led the way here state of Colorado there as well. When uh, Before we go, though, I want to bring in somebody uh, from, uh, from all the way from Puerto Rico. Rodolfo uh, is here to join us here on the, call, on the line, uh, a little bit on the legalization part of it. Rodolfo, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Not bad yourself. Uh, just want to tell you that I uh, always love when you come in the show. Uh, you and the guys have a good banter always going. Um, uh, my my comment is about uh, legalization. Uh, based on your experience, you know, uh, do you think that uh, a lot of the people that you met uh, when you were, uh, you know, interned uh, started out, you know, just using recreational drugs, or just they had other issues uh, 
that uh, you know caused them to be there. Because uh, you know, I believe uh, all persons, you know, had uh, certain circumstances. You know, you can't uh, right. really tell them they're good or bad. They just you know made decisions uh, in regards to where they were at that time. And uh, you know, just I hope to uh, get your insight uh, from that because uh, I think legalization uh, is good. Uh, in a way, even here in Puerto Rico, we started, uh, you know, doing that, uh, and it has some positive effects because uh, there's a lot of uh, crimes that are not uh, really uh, all the way like they were before. I, I guess the pandemic also has some to do with that. But uh, you know, the whole thing of legalization is what do uh, people that have businesses. Uh, have to do with that uh, and, you know, the rights of the other person. It is a complex matter. I just wanted to know your opinion on that. Rodolfo, thank you for, for joining the show. appreciate the call. Um, it's different for every person. I'm not a doctor. I know that the reason I originally used my mood-altering substance was to deal with injuries, to deal with pain, to ultimately to deal with emotional pain. The only drug I've ever taken is Vicodin. It was prescribed to me by doctors. Um, it was the painkiller that worked. I was in emotional pain. I was uh, I had a mental health disorder, and I chose to self-medicate rather than to ask for help. This was a moment uh, in Shikari Richardson's life where she had a tragic event happen to her. She chose to alter that mood by using marijuana, which I think a lot of people do- have done in a healthy manner. Um, Instead of using some substance that that is uh, that is more foreign or, or more damaging to the body, um, again, I'm for legalization. I I, I am. Um, it helps shine a light on it. It helps raise money for taxes to make a difference. Um, I appreciate the call, Rodolfo, all the way from Puerto Rico. How great is that? Uh, it's my story, and it's okay. Everybody has different different situations. I, I don't promote altering your mood with substances. I want to find a healthy alternative for that. Some people choose to do that. That's their choice. Um, I wish I would have chosen a different path because it cost me a lot and there were a lot of consequences that came with it. Also incredibly grateful for having been through it because of the man I've become and the man I will get to be for the rest of my life, not only for my son, but for my family. Uh, and that's important. So I uh, appreciate, again, the call. When we come back, we'll, we'll go to the phone lines to finish up the show. Boy, this has flown by. Uh, what a great show. What a great opportunity, again, for Rich Eisen. Uh, let me do this here on the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf, filling in for Rich. We'll be back right after this. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side, helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature, quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% 
on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Lee, filling in for Rich. He is off with the boys over the holiday weekend. Uh, Well-deserved. Uh, so he called in the righty, and it's been a heck of a fun show. Um, again, we're taking some calls here. 310-845-4120. Let's go to Kai in California, talking a little meditation. Kai, what's going on, buddy? Ryan, how's it going? Thanks for having me, man. You bet. Hey, so uh, my question is, uh, one, uh, do you still meditate? And two, if you do, uh, like what your what your approach is, like what's your uh, daily uh, routine? Right, right. Thanks, Kai. I appreciate the call, man. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, yeah, I still do. It's a huge part of it, prayer and, and meditation. You know, I, I, I felt like I vibrated, like, like chaos was around me, and I, and I would vibrate. Um, and I couldn't be still, right? Being still especially when you're on, uh, on opioids, it, you have this l- restless leg syndrome where your legs are just, they're just going at all times. And, uh, so that's been a huge part of it, uh, and a daily ritual for me. First thing I do when I roll out of bed, you know, I make my bed and as I'm tucking things in around the, the side, I just drop to my knees and I do a little prayer. And then I have a little deck that over, over, uh, a balcony that, that sits above my bedroom there. And I, I step out there and I, I do a little reading from the day, usually around a recovery uh, item, and then I meditate. I'll, I'll, and it doesn't have to be long, everybody. You don't have to sit in this for a while. Sometimes it just takes two minutes of you know, absolute silence and, uh, and, and stillness to get me right for the day. Sometimes it takes longer. just depends on what I'm going through, and I think a lot of people can understand that, right? Uh, it's hard. There, there are apps for it if you need some guidance through this process, and I did at the beginning. I needed some help with it, and, and of course, I've, I've found my, my way, my ritual, the way I, I go with it. I also found being outdoors and in nature, um, and the golf course for me is, is, is that, you know, because there's a lot of time in between shots, and you can really be grateful for the outdoors, for nature. For simple fact in my, my sense is that I'm free, and that I'm out being able to do something I love. So, yeah, it's it's a huge part of what my life has become and it will continue to be the meditation side of it. Because like I said, I vibrated, man. I just, I couldn't keep still and I needed, I needed that help. So this isn't a caller, but our, our buddy, Art Martinez, uh, producer extraordinaire on the other end, running the engineering side of this thing's for me today. He has a question about his loving Raiders who haven't loved him back of late. What's up, Art? What's going on? Hey, Ryan, great show today. I, I've had fun just listening to it. Um, Thanks, bud. I do, I do some meditation myself, but I'm, I want to talk about the Raiders. Well, you have to meditate a lot if you're a Raiders <laughs> fan, I assume. So. <laughs> now, there's a story about um, Derek Carr trying to recruit Devontae Adams. 
Now, Devontae Adams, from the story, he's got one more year on his contract in Green Bay. What, how, what is that possibility? Well, fill me in. Well, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, there's no reason for Devontae Adams to stay there, right? I mean, I mean, it, unless he really sees a future with Jordan Love. And I, I think a lot of people are just, you know, I want to dispel this right now. Jordan Love was drafted in the first round, right? Similarly to what Aaron Rodgers did. Let's give this guy a break, you know? Aaron Rodgers went 6-10 and 10 his first year. If, let's say Jordan Love comes out, I, I know expectations are going to be huge for this Green Bay Packers team, but that's with Aaron Rodgers. If he comes out and goes 6-11 and 11 or 7-10, and 10, and, and does some good things, there has to be some optimism there, and Devontae Adams will be able to see that. It's whether or not he wants uh, you know, a big payday or not. I think that Green Bay will, will up, up the ante for one of the best wide receivers in the business. If not, he may take you know, his talent somewhere else. Where else would he go? Maybe to a place where he has a relationship with it. Derek Carr. Now, the bigger question is whether or not Derek Carr is going to be in Las Vegas. You know? John Gruden may be the only one who actually will be there because he signed a 10-year contract. And for a guy that over a, a lengthy storied career for most is about 500 in wins and losses as his time as a head coach, he has gotten a lot uh, of you know accolades, uh, praise thrust upon him for not really going out and winning a lot of games. Right, he won a Super Bowl with essentially the roster put together by Tony Dungy and that staff, uh, and, and fell into a, a Super Bowl opportunity against um, the likes of the Oakland Raiders, who he had just coached a year before and knew them like the back of his hand. Couldn't have been a more um, perfect opponent for him in that um, in that Super Bowl. So. It's realistic. I think it all rests on whether or not Aaron Rodgers comes back. And I think that's the story of the summer for everybody. As we exit into the 4th of July weekend, and we still are talking about the NFL, the Aaron Rodgers saga continues on. And it will for the next four weeks before training camps open because it's going to be the reason why odds change or go up. He's the common variable in all this. And we'll find out soon enough. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to the Rich Eisen Show. Um, I'm Ryan Leaf. I love filling in for Rich. When he calls me and asks me to do it, I feel incredibly grateful and honored. Miss Chris Brockman, Miss Del Tufo, Miss TJ, of course. Art did a tremendous job filling in. Thank you to Jack Silver as well for helping me. Casey, Tyler, Art, Rodolfo, all for the calls. Thank you to all my guests. We'll see you on Monday here on the Rich Eisen Show. Have a wonderful holiday weekend.